0: Please join me in a brief word of prayer, and we'll get into the word today. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for how you've ministered to our hearts already, and we trust that you will continue to do so as your word goes forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I'm starting a, a little brief series this month called The Characters of Christmas. We're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 1. We all know that the reason for the season is Jesus. We all know that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the primary figure. The center, central focus of the Christmas season and the Christmas message. But there are other characters involved in the Christmas story. And uh, the message today will begin prior to the birth of Jesus and deal with what ended up being another miraculous birth of John the Baptist as we take a moment to look at the story of Zechariah and his dear wife, Elizabeth. But before we get into their story, I want to I read these first uh, several verses, first four verses of Luke, and then let's talk a little bit about Luke who he was you know he was a medical professional he was a doctor and back then doctors they didn't have their practices for typically have their practices you just go down to the doctor and everything a lot of doctors were servants a lot of doctors were belonged to people who were rich enough to have a doctor of their own they were uh you know they it, 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 capitalism was not uh you know, they weren't free to practice in their own way. They actually belonged to someone. But Luke starts off in verse 1 saying, In as as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Just in those first four verses really tells us a lot. First of all, we can see here just in those first couple of verses that Luke didn't walk with Jesus. He became a believer later. He, didn't, he wasn't an eyewitness of what Jesus said and did. He was a historian of those things. He researched those things thoroughly and meticulously. And he's addressing Theophilus here. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word who have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, I don't know fully, not much is written about who this Theophilus person is. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been uh, taught. But whoever he is, has become a believer. And there is enough question, though, concerning some of these things that Luke is writing a meticulously thorough account with the intent of bringing certainty to his heart, encouraging him concerning those things that they are being taught. And just to give you... uh, Just to give you an idea of the thoroughness of Luke, I want to go for a brief moment to Luke chapter 3, and I'm going to read the first six verses. And I'll spend a couple of minutes on it, and then we'll get back to Luke 1 and get into Zechariah. starts in the first verse and this is how they dated things back then this is how they narrowed down the historical perspective historical facts of when these things happened they did it by who reigned who ruled who's uh who was in authority in these things and you can and you can dial it in for them from there they didn't just say in the year 1592 or anything like that it went by reigns and he starts off very meticulous In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. Just think of all the rulers he's mentioning here. So you're going to be able to dial in this time period without much difficulty here. So in the year, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that's one reference. Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. That's the second reference. And Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Itaria, and, I mean, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So you can pinpoint the day, the year that John came up on the scene to prepare the way for Jesus. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight. And the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. So Luke wasn't there as a part of the original 12 walking and, and with the Lord and observing everything that he did. But he sought out all that did. Those that lived long enough for him to hear their first person accounts, he sought them out. Every written reference in addition to that, he sought it out. He went to the locations and interviewed people and talked to whoever To give him the information needed for him to write as thorough of an account. An account that would lay it out so well that it could remove all doubt for the honest seeker. The one who is troubled about anything. The honest seeker of the Lord. The honest follower of the Lord who needed answers. Luke was the kind of guy. Who would bring those answers for you? And so knowing that about Luke, we can trust his account when it comes to the characters he writes about, including Zechariah. And going back to Luke chapter 1, we'll start in the first verse as he begins the introduction of this character of Christmas the first character of Christmas that the Bible introduces to us. Read with me in verse 5. In the days of Herod, here we go dating again, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So we have a few details here given to us about Zechariah and Elizabeth that helps paint a pretty accurate picture of their life. The first thing we see is that they are both of the Levitical class. Zechariah is a a descendant of the division of Abijah, and Elizabeth is a daughter of Aaron. Aaron. They were righteous and blameless in their walk with God. Today, we consider them saints. We consider them godly people, wouldn't we? They live an excellent example before the Lord. But you know what? I love the fact that Luke puts this in here because in the culture of that time, if you were childless, you remember the commandment that says be fruitful and multiply? You know, that's a commandment that in that community was taken seriously. And if you were unable to fulfill that commandment, then you were viewed as there's something not quite right with you. There's something not quite right with, with you before God. There's a reason God's favor is not on you, because he said, be fruitful and multiply. If he's not letting you do that, then that that colors how you're viewed. At least it colors how people think God feels towards you. God doesn't favor you. Think about that. Now, it doesn't say it in the text, but that's exactly, I'm telling you culturally, trust me, that's how it was handled. Uh, it's it's not that dissimilar to um, the family, the couple who had a son that was born blind. They asked the Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If he was born this way, they had to have done something that put them out of the favor of God. So we have these two godly people that the Bible says lived righteously before God. They have this cloud over them. But they didn't allow it to affect their love of God. They did not allow it to affect their faithfulness toward God. They kept plugging along, serving the Lord. So they were both righteous, walking blameless. They weren't perfect. There's a difference between being blameless and sinless. So by the grace of God, they were blameless before God. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. So keep in mind, she's been barren her whole life. Now they're in advanced age. And the time and hope for, for uh, bearing children, removing the reproach of people upon you, seems to have passed Let's go on in verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now, just to give you a little bit of a, a background on that there were <laughs> my gosh there were so many priests if you were a male and you were born you descended from you know from Aaron you were you were considered a priest there were more priests than they knew what to do with so many that they divided them up into divisions and at least 24, 26, I'll say 24 divisions, they divided them up. And for a week, twice a year, your division would serve in the temple. And this was a time when Zechariah's division was serving in the temple and he was given this, the duty of burning incense. Now, the incense is symbolic he was praying on the inside of the temple. The rest of the people were praying on the outside, and the the incense is, is, is burning as that as, as that incense aroma is wafting up in the air, it was symbolic of the prayers of the people going up into the presence of God. Theres a reason they're hanging out they're offering prayers. Well, they can't be in the holy place with him. He's not in the most holy place. He's in the holy place. He's offering incense. And the incense that he's offering symbolically, it references their prayers going up into the presence of God. And it says the lot fell on him. You know, it's like a roll of the dice, like it was a luck of the draw. But we all know divine providence. It wasn't luck at all. It wasn't by chance that he was in the role of burning that incense because there was a meeting planned between him and Gabriel that he did not get advance notice about. So he's burning the incense. And in verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Say, your prayer has been, it has been heard. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And if he was wondering what prayer he was talking about, he goes on and says, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him him being the Lord, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So these people devoted their entire lives Serving the Lord, I want you to go there in the in the in your mind's eye put, your place, put yourself in the place of Zechariah. What I see in the first words that the angel said to him, "Your prayer has been heard." That suggests to me, he said, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, suggests to me he's praying for his darling wife. You know, when a couple was unable to have children, back then in that culture, who do you think got the blame for that? I mean, the, the, the scriptures plainly say she was barren. Even if she wasn't, if he was sterile, the reproach would have been on her. But he's praying for his wife. The angel says, your prayer has been heard. And your wife is going to have a child. I, it just seems to me how the rest of the conversation goes. Because remember, we're going to go over it. He doubted and the angel had to shut him up and say, you're not going to be able to speak until this thing happens because you'll mess it up with your doubt, your fear, your unbelief. I wonder how many years when whoever was in there offering up the incense And he was among those on the outside whose prayers that incense symbolically was lifting up to the presence of God. How many times, how many years, how many moments that prayer was for his wife to be able to bear a child? But after a while, that prayer went unanswered. That prayer went unanswered and after a while she became advanced in years and that prayer he used to offer he stopped offering. The prayer began to change. Not Not in a bad way. He knows the burden that was on his wife he knew that she knew the shame that was on his wife and so he began to pray for God's grace and God's mercy for God's encouragement for God to strengthen her and lift her up and 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 for God to remove her reproach from among the people i believe that was his prayer because the old prayer seemed impossible now the time had passed For the old prayer, so the prayer modifies. He still loves his wife, the reproach. God, she didn't have children, but can you lift the reproach? And the angel comes in and says, your prayer has been answered. God has decided. God is about to remove her reproach. But he's not just going to, he's going to do it in the way you thought wasn't possible anymore. He's going to remove her reproach because even in her advanced years, he's going to make her be able to get pregnant, carry a baby to term, and give birth. And get this, she's not just going to give birth to any child. This child that she's going to give birth to is going to have a special significance in in history. See, God didn't give you the baby When you wanted the baby, God didn't give you the baby when you were of childbearing years. God waited till you were in your advanced years. We don't always know why God does what he does, but in this situation, we do. We do know. We do know. See, how many years did these God lovers, this couple who walk with God blamelessly, who are righteous in the eyes of God. How many years did they walk with him with that prayer not being answered, with this reproach over their head, wondering why? Why can't? God, we know you're able to. We know you can miraculously heal her. Why has he not done it? He knows how heavy our hearts are burdened over this. Why has he not done it? And then finally, you stop asking the question why, and you just resolve, resolve it within yourself. The, the why tends to matter less, you know. It's like, well, what good is why now? It is the way it is, and now I'm just going to have to walk with God in the reality of now. The hope I had that he would do it one way died a while ago. And now I know God is still God. He's still good. He still loves me. I still yield to him. So even in the pain of unanswered prayer, they're serving God. There's an example there for us. Amen. And they would have done that to their last days. And, and, and bore the reproach if need be but God set up a meeting with him in the holy place between him and the angel Gabriel to give him good news and maybe you're in that place where Zechariah was when the angel Gabriel met him Years of prayer, unanswered, wondering if God heard you, wondering if God cared. Maybe through this story, God wants to encourage you and light the flames of your hope to, to keep believing, to keep trusting in God that because it didn't happen the way you envisioned it happening doesn't mean it won't happen. Are you hearing me? Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. As a cross-reference, John 1, verses 19 to 23 say this, And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And for reference, that comes out of the uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3. That's a prophetic word about John the Baptist, the one who would come to, make, to prepare the way for the Lord, and I, I brought this up because some say that he, uh, John, is Elijah. And there are some verses that give the, you know, that give that impression, but he's his own person. It says clearly here he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. It's what it said in Luke. And John himself even answered definitively, no, I'm not Elijah, I'm not Christ, I am of the voice. I'm the one that scripture prophesied would be the voice in the wilderness, crying out, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet said. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord A people prepared. Continuing in Luke 1, after the angel's amazing announcement, and I'll begin to draw the conclusion, the concluding point of the message, Zechariah's initial response seems innocent enough at first doesn't seem much different than Mary's response when the angel told her she was going to give birth to the Lord the Messiah so how can it be since I've not known a man Zechariah said to the angel how shall I know this It might seem innocent to some, but he's almost like, I'm from Missouri. Show me. How shall I know this is going to happen? Prove it to me. For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Say, oh, you done, done it now. He he, he giving you his name. He's giving you what he does. He's like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. That's that's a stern answer to a a, uh, a, uh, kind of a disrespectful question. How shall I know? You're talking to an angel of the Lord. How shall I know this? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Now this guy loved God but he had a little bit of crisis of faith right there concerning this this is great news. It didn't notice it did not cost him the blessing. He got chastised. He got shut up. And sometimes, you know what? Maybe the best thing for us is to be silenced. Maybe it'll be good for a lot of us if God just press the mute button on us. Amen. <laughs> You know, words, me and Christy talk about, we've talked about this several times over the years, how untrue some of these, some of these sayings are. You know, sticks and stones may, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie. <laughs> you know, not that the sticks and stones won't break your bones, but that words will never hurt you. Words can hurt worse than sticks and stones. There are things that were said to me in my developing, in my childhood years, that carried with me well into adulthood. That hindered, you know, hindered my ability to to relate well with people, hindered my ability to trust, hindered my ability to have self confidence. Right? I mean, the words can be so damaging. Not only to you personally, but to the people around you. You can inspire hope, you can inspire faith. you can inspire people to accomplish great things, but you can uh, by your words. But you can also crush people's spirit. Make them fearful of and doubtful of everything by your words. You can poison an atmosphere and environment with your words. So the angel said, You're going to be silent. Mute button pressed and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time there is a a time to God's will that time doesn't always match our time but there is a time in God's will right and will we be patient and will we wait on the Lord for him to do it in his time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. (laughs) And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. So imagine this guy coming out of the temple and he's trying to describe, I mean, it's got to be the worst game of charades in the world. I don't know if he invented sign language or charades. But he's trying to convey in something other than words what he experienced. They knew he saw something. How they knew, I don't know uh, if it was just because of his excited, excitableness or whatever. Uh, they knew. And he was trying to make signs to communicate to them. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden. I don't know why. I don't know that it's important to know why. We just know that she did. She kept herself hidden for five months. Thus, the Lord... Listen to her. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. She's going to have a baby. This God-fearing woman covered in reproach among the people who are doubting God's favor on her because of her barrenness. God waited until her advanced years after decades of reproach, they're having a child. And not just any child, a very important child in God's plan of salvation. It's already been alluded to, but what's so special about this child? He said he would be filled from the Holy Spirit from birth. He will help people turn to the Lord. He will be in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare people for an encounter with God. When it comes to the characters of Christmas, it's important to remember that the first people who were given a glimpse of the coming Messiah were not the young, nor the rich, nor the powerful nor the strong but an older but an but an in their advanced years childless couple suffering through the pain of wanting and never having a child. We've all known what it's like to be in want. Longing for something that has eluded us for most, if not all, of our lives. And it is comforting to know that we have a Savior whose arrival encompasses those who are suffering. That the good news of his arrival, he's not just for all the haves. He's also the Lord and Savior of the have-nots. He didn't reveal, you know, the the, the first glimpses of the arrival of the Savior didn't come to, uh, like I said, the young and strong and powerful, but to an old, God-fearing, God-loving, faithful couple who had gone decades without the desire to have a child being fulfilled. And God, after that desire seemed like it, the time had passed, after that desire seemed to come to a point to where it would never be fulfilled, God showed up. And I will conclude by saying this. The, we all know that John the Baptist was born and that Mary, when she was pregnant with jesus she went to go visit her visit elizabeth and the bible says the baby in her womb leaped you know he started announcing the arrival and praising the arrival of jesus when he was still in the womb he was witnessing testifying of who jesus was before he was even born And we know Mary gave birth to Jesus and we certainly will be getting to her as one of the characters of Christmas. But since Jesus is the reason for the season, his birth, along with his, along with his birth came the good news of the salvation of the Lord for all people. What was the um, message um, that the that the angelic host gave to the shepherds? Said it was good news of great joy for all the people. The coming Savior is good news, great joy for all the people. The birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus shows us that no matter what stage of life you're in, it is still good news for you. Young, middle-aged, advanced in years, it's still good news for you. This was good news for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were finally going to have a child. And the reason they were going to have this child was so that a prophet would prepare people to meet the Lord. God gave them the child, not on their timetable, but on his. And in the act of giving them a child, God demonstrates his intention to give grace. Elizabeth's shame is removed. I believe that was primarily at that time, Zechariah's prayer. I want her shame removed, God. Her shame was removed, replaced with a demonstration of God's favor. Her disgrace among the people is replaced with a son who preaches a message of repentance returning to God are you hearing me today I said earlier that not being able to have a child meant that the favor of God wasn't on you or you were in the disfavor of God that would have been proven wrong if God would have given her a baby in her childbearing years but just think of I mean the abundance of favor that's on her, that God gave her the ability to have a baby when biologically she wasn't supposed to be able to, right? And so uh, easy for me to say, but it's like if you want to talk about, you want to look on the favor scale, all those years of people thinking you weren't favored by God, my goodness, you're on the plus side of the favor now that God did it when he did it. And on top of that, if that, wasn't, if that wasn't enough in and of itself, the whipped cream and cherry on top of it is, not only did you have a, uh, a child, you had a son, which was important in that time. But her disgrace among the people is replaced with the son who preaches the message of repentance. Not just preaching a message of repentance, but he would pave the way for the Messiah. Oh, my goodness. You talk about, you're talking about this delayed answer to prayer. It was delayed, and it was frustrating, and it was painful, and it was aggravating, so much so that an angel delivering the message was not enough to convince Zechariah that he was hearing from the Lord, right? Right? It gets that way sometimes. But my goodness, somehow, by the grace of God, they persevered, they endured, they made it through. They kept the faith. They didn't turn their their heart they didn't allow their hearts to turn hard toward God. And when they least expected it, God hit them with favor that they didn't know was possible. Amen. So don't don't write the ending of your life story too quickly. Don't write the ending yet. Because God he is he, he perfectly able to add twists to your story. Pleasant twists. Things you thought were, were over and done. Things you thought were dead, never to be revived again. We see through a glass darkly. We misinterpret sometimes. But if we continue Believing, if we continue trusting God, if we continue walking with him, man, there is no telling the ending that God is prepared to write for our story. In your past, whether it, your past successes or your past failures or past disappointments, Don't let the historical record dumb down your ability to trust what God is capable of doing in your life. The past is the past. We're in the present with God now. And what the future, what future he has for us, we know it's a good future. We know it's filled with hope. Amen? We know it's filled with life. We know that he has good for us, and we know that he favors us. It may look like he doesn't favor us on the outside. Maybe we don't have the baby yet. Maybe we don't have the ability to get pregnant yet. Maybe we're advanced in years. Maybe we've moved on to a different phase, and we just left a phase that was filled with disappointment. And that disappointment still affects us today. I want to encourage you not to live so much in that, in, that, in that past disappointment that you miss what God is doing in your life right now. That you miss the path that he's cleared for you to walk. And at the end of that path, there is a favor that surpasses the favor that you didn't get yesterday. I'm just going to ask you to stand. Stand. In Jesus, there is good news of great joy for all the people. And that all the people includes you. It includes you. Every one of you, you know, just say that all the people, say it with me, all the people, for all the people includes me. For all the people, people. includes me. (laughs) So, I want to encourage you today. Maybe your prayers, you're still praying to God. still walking with him, but you bear the, the discouragement, you bear the pain of prayer unanswered. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but uh, maybe I'll say it this way. You bear the, the pain and the scars of, of reproach. You know you love the Lord and you know God loves you. You know the favor of God is on you, but there is some aspect of your life that makes it look like to people on the outside looking in that the favor of God is not on you. And maybe you've wanted God to remove that reproach. You've wanted God to to do something to prove to people that you are not who you used to be, that you are the genuine article as a man or a woman of God and that God loves you and favors you and yet the circumstances continue to have you under reproach in other people's eyes. I just want to encourage you that Don't let the reproach of others discourage you. Don't let the reproach of others or the opinions of others affect what you know to be true about your God. The salvation of the Lord is yours. God is your God. The favor of the Lord belongs to you. And in due time and in due season, the Lord will show forth his favor on you in a way that even the doubters, even the haters, even the critics, even the judges cannot deny. But you don't need their affirmation. You don't need to prove anything to anyone else. You need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt your God's heart toward you. You need to know his love for you is unwavering. You need to know that your circumstances don't define his favor. His favor exists, his love exists, and it's abundantly poured out upon you, apart from your circumstances. And in due time, the Lord will minister this truth to you. He will speak to you as he spoke to Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayer. And I'm doing a work in your life that now will manifest my favor on you. And God will be expressing how proud he is of you for hanging in there. Through the shame, through the pain, through the difficulties, you hung in there. Sometimes you were barely hanging on by a thread, but you hung on. You clung to the Lord your God. And he blessed and, and, and you clung to him. Despite the circumstances, knowing that someday he will say, I've heard you. And I'm here to show my favor on you and to bless you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every downcast heart that has been spoken to this morning Father God that has been encouraged Father God everyone who's been touched by this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and who knows what it is to feel what they felt who may even still be feeling what they felt Lord, I just pray that you really meet them where they're at, Lord, and and strengthen them in their heart, Father God. Strengthen their faith, Father God. Lift up their weary souls, O God. With the hope that their answer to prayer is on the horizon as well. And Lord, when you minister to them, this may not be their prayer, but I'll pray it on their behalf. If you need to hit the mute button on them, hit the mute button, oh God. And whatever might hinder them from going in their heart and in their mind where they need to go in order for them to walk with you to receive the blessing. Do it, Lord God, for their own blessing and benefit. We thank you for working in our lives according to your will, and we trust you, God. We want things right now, but we just say, Lord, have your way. Do it in your own time, and we will praise you. We will obey you. We will give you glory and honor that is due unto your name, and we will testify to your goodness and your faithfulness to us. To you be the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.